You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. It's okay. Hey, you can't be out here. Get back inside. So we can wait around until you tell Dad? No thanks. Wait! We have all been wondering what happened with the Resolute. Why we crashed here, and now the reason is standing right next to you. Why doesn't that scare you? Because he's changed. That's not good enough. How come you don't believe me? Believing has nothing to do with it, Will. It is about me protecting you. He's protecting me. And what if it changes again? Will, stop. Don't you always say that people make mistakes sometimes? And that they deserve a second chance. Maybe people do, but he's more like us than you think. Look, there's a cave a few miles in this direction. Let me hide him away there. That way everyone's safe from everyone. Isn't that what you want anyway? Look, Judy, I'm not crazy. I know we're gonna have to tell Dad the truth. Just... Let me be the one to do it. Guys! You guys realize we're on the wrong side of the fence? So whatever's going on here, I think it's great. We're not? Someone is going to tell me what's going on, though, right? Hello, and welcome to the 602 Club, uh, Trek FM's local watering hole. Just so excited to be back here as, um, well, we're we're sipping on the uh, the old... Whiskey. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. Can't can't do that, Brandon. Come on, we got a special guest with us tonight, and we've got the we've got the Shirley Temples out uh, this evening uh, because uh, you've got your daughter... Joining us to talk a little bit about Lost in Space. Hi, my name is Aubrey, and I am back. Yes! Hey, it's great to have you here, Aubrey, and so I'm really excited. Um, before I we ask Aubrey some questions about Lost in Space, just a couple of reminders for everybody. Um, make sure you check out uh, the 602 Club and all of the Trek FM shows over there on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. Uh, while you're over there, you know, hit the 602 Club up with a star rating review, let people know what you think of the show if you're listening, uh, and why they should be listening. Um, you know, uh, help people find the show. That's great. Um, other places you can follow us, go to Twitter at Trek FM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. We've got the listeners only discussion group called the Babel Conference over there on Facebook. And that is where you can talk with everybody who listens and joins the group. So many people having great discussions over there. Go to 
Facebook and type Babel into the search field and we can let you in there. Or if you happen to be on the website at trek.fm, click discussion on any of the menu bars on the show pages and that'll also bring you over to the group. And then last but not least, if you are on the website and you would like to send us an email, we love getting emails to the show, go to trek.fm slash contact. Choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that comes to me and any of the hosts that are on that week. And so... Now, Aubrey, for you, I was really excited when your dad said you wanted to come on because he said you were really enjoying um, Lost in Space. But yeah, but first, so your dad said that he's been showing you lots of really fun movies this year. And so what have been some of your favorites that your dad has shown you this year? Oh, I don't know. Um, We went and saw, um, we we did a rewatch of all the Jurassic Park movies. Ooh, okay. We did all the Jaws movies as well. Nice. Ooh. Yep. So I you saw one, one good one. Wasn't as good as the other ones. Yeah, most people don't like the last Jaws movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was That's your favorite common. Jurassic Park movie? Oh, um, I'd have to say the first and second. Okay. Nice. But out of those two, the second. Yeah, Mike Schindler would agree. Wow, with you. you really like the Lost World. What did you like so much about the Lost World? Um, I don't know. Like just the fact how like. All those people went in there, and they knew that the dinosaurs were there. On the island? Yeah. You you really liked the ending when they came back to the city, and the, and, you, and T-Rex was running around the city. You liked that yeah. part a lot. Nice. So you must have enjoyed then Fallen Kingdom when they came back to the States, and the dinosaurs were running all over the house. Yeah, that was the last oh, one. Oh, we, we saw also in saw Mission Impossible. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we've been watching the Mission Impossible. Nice. We watched uh, three, four, and five together so far. Yeah, That's but awesome. He and my mom, they went out and watched it when we were at our auntie's. Yeah, the last one. Mm-hmm. We went and yeah. saw it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just got a chance to take my wife to see it, and she loved it too. So mm-hmm. um, it was awesome. Well, you've been having. I can't a... wait to see it. Oh, you're going to love it. You really are. Um, but you've been having such a busy summer, and you, so you and your dad got to watch through Lost in Space. And so tell me a little bit about what you liked about the show. I liked when Will saved the robot, and, like, he came up and saved him. Like, I don't get why it was, like, just the legs on that. At the first episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it fell apart because it hit that tree, right? So it hit the tree and the bottom part broke off. And so the one part was hanging in the tree and the feet were kind of walking around on the bottom, on the ground. Mm -hmm. Where's the part that was hanging in the tree? I didn't see. He was in the tree with him, right? No, the robot with just the legs. The robot, you know, it had divided in two. It had separated when it crashed, right? So it had kind of ripped apart in two and then he put them back together. So... But uh, I think you liked, for characters, though, I think you really yeah. liked Dr. Smith. Yeah, she was really interesting. Like, what would she do next? It's going to be interesting to see what's, what she's going to do next. I really want to see the next season. Oh, me too. I, I, they, they ended the season, and I was like, what? We have to wait? No! Mm-hmm. Uh, like a year? I know. I- or more. Who knows? So... Um, what were some of your other favorite things about the show that you really liked or you felt like were really well done? It was funny how Penny, like, was annoyed by Judy all the time. 
You know, I liked that part too. I think she might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons why I asked Matt to let you on the show with us to talk for a little bit is because you and I watch Discovery as well, Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. right? And both of us really seem to enjoy Lost in Space a bit more. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you think was different between the two and why you might have liked Lost in Space a little bit more? That was more interesting. <laughs> what, what was more interesting? Can you be more like, specific? What's like. What is going to happen? Like, I didn't know. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, what? Why is the robot here? Why is the, What is that? And mm-hmm. I'm like, did he build it or something? Because I didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then, what was that sound? It was so weird. This is like, the sound of the spaceship? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, did you see that picture in the face when they were trying to get that battery? Like, that was under the, what was that called? Like, the trailer or something? Like At, at the end? Under yeah. the, uh, the, the yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're it saying. It was like an oval, and then, like, And it stayed behind. It stayed behind yeah. and attached itself to the ship. I think that was what they were supposed to say. Like, get the magnet, and he's like, okay, I'm going to get it. Yes, like, I think so. They were, like, talking mm-hmm. to each other, and then they made that sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that was really that was a really interesting part of the the show to the very end is watching the 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 difference between the two different robots and you know him being able to reach uh, the will being able to reach back out to his friend and bring him kind of back to the good side. I really liked that. So I think the next season is going to be a little more intense. Because I think you're right. Like he said, danger when, and then they went to that planet. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it's the robot's planet. I think you're right. Or it's how I think they traveled there, and then they got down from. That's how they fell down. Yeah, it's good. I don't know how they got there. Like some kind of a black hole or a wormhole or something like that. Yeah, yeah it looks like it looks like that. The um. You know the you know how they had the the strange thing that was underneath the chariot and then it attached itself to the Jupiter's yeah. engines. So it looks like, it's like arms reaching. Yeah, out. it looks like there's this special engine and and you know they they kind of alluded to the fact that you know that's what happened on Earth is one of these spaceships had crashed on Earth. And so I'm wondering if the Jupiter now has one of those engines too, and that's how they end up uh, at the robot planet. Can I tell you what I think would happened? I think that he was trying to draw that circle thing. I think that's what made it crash. It like it turned the Jupiter, mm-hmm. and I think that's what happened. Well, that, theirs. I don't think it's theirs. Well, that thing took control of the ship yeah. at the end that was left behind. I don't think that's theirs, because how did they crash? No, it's not. It, it's from the alien ship. It, it attached itself. I don't think it's the alien ship. You don't... It might be, but it might Ooh, not. Because... So you think it could be some other aliens? Yes, because Ooh, it's, I like that. it could have <laughs> steered the robot's ship onto Earth. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you have something there. That could actually be really interesting. Did you have a favorite character on the show? Um, and I like that, like, science guy. Like Wh- Which science guy? The one from China. 
Oh, like, the old the old Asian guy. He likes he like said something and John said, What does that mean? And he's like, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. So um what was like so you got to watch this and you had seen Star Trek Discovery. So what's the one thing that you can think of that makes for you Lost in Space better than Star Trek Discovery? Everything. Okay. The most thing was robots. You like the robots? robots? Like their fingers didn't bend this way. It bent the other when they when when they were just like this, or like Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I no, I agree. That was pretty cool. Strong. Yes, I liked when he moves the rock with Will. Yeah, it looks like just Will is pushing. Yeah. At first, and like what? When I first saw it, I'm like, what is happening? That kid is strong. So if dad <laughs> if dad said like, yes, would you would you ask him for a robot? Yes. I would. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's see what we can do. If um if you even if he was dangerous, I wouldn't push him off the cliff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's good. That's very that's very kind of you. Um if you had to give uh, Lost in Space a rating um out of ten, what would you rate it, you think? I'd say a 10. Nice. So this is so you feel like this has been one of your favorite shows to be able to watch so far. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we watch it twice. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, when it's when the season was end, I'm like, why? Why a year?" Cuz they got to take time to make the show. It takes a lot of time and money to make the show. It's true. It does. Mm-hmm. They're going to so. be filming it up in Canada here. They I saw an advertisement that they're filming it in Alberta. Some of it. Yep. Nice. Like we went there before. Yeah. Where they're gonna film it. Near Drumheller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you should go and see if you could be on the show. <gasps> <laughs> see what we can do. That's not right on. Well, thank you for letting us know what you thought of the show and for being on the show. It was really fun to have you on, and it was great to get your perspective on Lost in Space. Well, Brandon, thanks for uh, allowing us to, to have Aubrey on to talk about Lost in Space. That was a lot of fun. Um, I know uh, the listeners over on uh, Grass Negotiations love when uh, John gets to have his daughter on to talk about things. Um, it's always interesting to hear what actual kids think of this stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it because she's always wanting to get involved in the podcast. And I've had her on Melodic Treks a couple of times and and uh, she she likes to talk on the podcasts. So it's a lot of fun. It's it's fun to do something with her. So well, and it's 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 neat because you know I think you know more than anything else, and this isn't even on the outline, but I do feel like that this is really a great show for families. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is a show that doesn't have a lot of if really any inappropriate material. You know, uh, so I I feel like this is a show that really was made for families to sit around, queue up Netflix and, you know, enjoy Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. When we watched the first episode together, um, you know, there was the part where they're cutting into her leg and I I got Aubrey to cover her eyes because I'm like, I don't know how much they're going to show. Right. And they didn't show much. They showed a little bit of blood. Um, You know, and, you know, like I said, we've seen Jaws and stuff like this. So she's seen blood and, you know, she's seen worse than that. But again, with with streaming shows nowadays, you don't quite know how far they're going to go. It's true. Hey, you you might see Klingon boob. (laughs) You might see Klingon boob. And that's the thing, you know, with Discovery, like with Discovery, I watched every episode before I watched them with Aubrey so that I could tell her when to cover her eyes. And 
you know, even in Lost in Space, they had some bad words. And I mean, I've sworn in front of my children. So they, they're not words that they haven't heard, but they don't they don't have as much as, as most of the shows out there right now. And the family content is what I really enjoyed about Lost in Space. And it was a really great show to watch with my kids. And I mean, kind of jumping the gun here. I'm sure that we'll get to this at some point. But after we watched the first episode, I turned to my wife and, and to Aubrey and I said, that was better than every episode of Discovery. You know, I think for plot wise and everything like that, action, suspense and everything, I thought it was much better than Discovery. You know, I I can't speak too much to it because for me, I didn't watch the last half of Discovery season. I saw the first half and then I it just didn't it didn't interest me very much. I just didn't enjoy it. And um you know, there's there's plenty of other reasons. So um, somebody may will have me on one day so I can talk about my disapproval of Discovery on one of the Star Trek shows. But we don't talk about Star Trek here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I just, I really enjoyed the show and I I, was, I loved getting to uh, the end of it and, and feeling like, man, I really want the next season. And, and one of the things I think that I really appreciated about the show was just the setup of it and how there was something that happened that caused them to leave. Mm -hmm. And the whole season builds up to telling you the reason to why people were leaving Earth and going to Alpha Centauri in the first place, which yeah. I loved that. And and it what I thought was kind of neat is how it, you know, it did a good job of stealing from places like Interstellar and some other of those really great sci-fi shows as to why we would be leaving our planet and I thought that that was a really strong thing because they didn't tell you right up front and and I felt like they did a good job of kind of parceling it out through the different episodes so that by the time you got to the end, you're like, okay, this makes so much more sense. Uh, but it also made it really fun then to kind of allow them to take their time with that mystery and, and just kind of slowly spill that out. Um but you know this is 10 this is 10 episodes so it didn't they didn't drag it on forever and i think that's the other thing i liked okay so when i was watching the season so i got to make this joke cuz i've been i've been dying to make this joke cuz i haven't seen this joke anywhere but this show really is lost in space yeah. You know, with the flashbacks and everything <laughs> yeah. like that, the episodes kind of focus on one character and their flashback before they get to the island, in this case, you know, the planet and whatnot. And I really did like that. But with with the, the stretched out storytelling, one thing on a rewatch that I noticed is I wish they would have laid more seeds for some of the reveals earlier. Like, for example, you know, getting into some of the spoilers, the 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 static electricity spoiler right? Like that yeah, was yeah. in that episode. And that is something that they could have dropped once or twice before that in a couple of episodes to lead it up. And that was the interesting thing rewatching the show again is that while there is a season long arc, the story that happens in each episode is basically contained to that episode. And the story that's going on doesn't really spill over into the next episode. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think that they kind of did a good job of, and it felt um, a lot like Enterprise, you know, like season one. When you rewatch season one and season two, there really is a lot of continuity between those episodes, mm -hmm. but you can also watch those episodes by themselves, which mm -hmm. I think is 
really nice about Lost in Space is that you can go back and watch a specific episode as you want and not feel like you had to have seen every single other episode in succession, even if it's just I'm rewatching an episode. And that's that's kind of smart, you know, mm-hmm. because I love long-form storytelling in TV now, you know, the way we do it, especially with Netflix and stuff. But it does make it harder for me to be like, oh, I just want to watch an episode of that show. But there were certain episodes of the show that I, in this first season, I was like, when I can go back and I would love to rewatch that episode because it was just so good on its own. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I yeah. Like think, the Tar Pit episode. Yeah. That's yeah, one that you could yes, watch just yes. by itself. I was actually, yes, I was actually thinking about that episode the mm-hmm. other day. And I thought that was a really well done episode. The other thing I think that was really cool, you know, just about the setup of why they're leaving Earth. I love how that whole idea did tie into the very end of the series, of the, this this season, that the the reason they're leaving Earth actually has to do with these aliens. Um, and one of their ships, or as Aubrey said, maybe it's another ship, another alien ship, we don't know. Um, but it seems like it's possibly these aliens and that they're kind of responsible for messing up our planet. So mm-hmm. that's a really interesting conundrum that they've created in the show, and it gives us, I think, a good jumping-off point. But I liked that 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 whole idea. People can still live on Earth, but it's not going to be enjoyable to live there. Mm-hmm. So they're moving to other places like Alpha Centauri, so... See, this whole plot line has me thinking about how much is actually the fault of the aliens. Because, you know, they had this whole plot line of the Christmas star and how they they did it as a cover-up. And they would have had to have come up with that after the fact. And as I watch this show, I wonder if the government didn't do something to the atmosphere in order to encourage this departure. And it's, you know, they, 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 the, the cover story is that there's an asteroid that's crashed, which has caused this atmosphere. But what if that's not even what it is? What if this is all a government conspiracy to get people off the planet? Because wow, that makes it even simply, worse. yeah, simply crashing an alien ship. Cause I, the impression that I get from the story is an alien ship simply crashed on the planet. The, the government discovered uh, technology for how to get off the planet, how to go a long distance, and they've taken these aliens with them to find their home world, you know, in, in some sort of cover up. And in my opinion, they created some type of natural, some type of artificial natural disaster as even more of a smokescreen, pardon the pun, but, you know. But that seems like I see what you're saying, but would that work when they're only taking the like the basically the best and the brightest? You know, it's then it, then it seems like almost like a Bond villain thing. Like we've ruined the planet, but then we're taking the best and the brightest from you. <laughs> but they may not be ruining the planet. That's the thing. It's just that it's it's all a part of the cover story, and there's the mm. smoke there. And well, yes, I'm I might be looking too much into it, right? And you know trying to come up with theories because that's how television is nowadays is what crazy theories can you come up with? But um, yeah, the best and the brightest would be part of the cover story, you know, kind of thing. There's another TV show yeah. from the nineties that this really makes me think of as well. I think it was on NBC. It's called earth two. Have you ever heard of that show? Uh, I have heard of earth two. Yeah. It only lasted one season, but it was similar. Earth was in a bad state and they had to leave and, and uh, go to another planet and, and colonize and whatnot. And then weird things happen on the planet. You know, the 
planet wasn't quite what they thought it was going to be. So um, this it, this made me think of that show a lot as well. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I ended up really responding to um, with the show, I really ended up liking the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that they created a cast that was really interesting to watch from, you know, which is really tough to do when you cast kids, you know, in mm-hmm. a show. Um, but that to the parents, to, you know, the people around them, I, I thought were really well done. And so, um, and, and one of the characters that really stood out to me because I didn't feel like it became stereotypical, even though it seemed like it was going to start that way was Marine. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, the story between her and her husband was very interesting to watch. It was very adult in the way mm-hmm. that it was handled, the way they handled their relationship. Um, and, of course, spoiler alert, obviously, the way they come back together in the end, too. Um, but the, I, it seems like she's going to start off one way, but they never allow you to get comfortable in a stereotype. Um, and I love that it was broken the moment that she apologizes to him very early in the season for what she was wrong, she says. You know, I was wrong to treat you like that. I was wrong to discount what you had to say, you know, and, and it, acknowledging his expertise, you know, which is much different than her since he's, you know, a former Navy SEAL. Uh, so I just, that was really something that spoke volumes to me. And I think, you know... Um, Molly Parker, you know, I know her from um, House of Cards, and I really like her as an actress, but I thought she did really, really well in the role, and which was important because you needed to find a way to like her because she is one of the pinnacle characters of this show. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's a really interesting take that they've that they've decided to change this show. Uh, have you seen the original Lost in Space at all? I have never seen the original. That's one thing I haven't done. See, I've watched about the first half of the first season. Like the show, it, it's really serious for the first half of the first season. And after that, it kind of starts to get really silly. And I haven't watched beyond that. And it is very good science fiction. It's very, you know, mid-60s science fiction uh, for when it came out. But the story is very, very different. And what they've done with this show is very similar to what happened with Battlestar Galactica. And, you know, in my opinion, this is what I would have liked to have seen them do with the Star Trek Calvin timeline movies and whatnot, is just have a complete reboot, completely change it for a modern audience. And I think it works really well in these type of shows because the, the concept of the shows is great. But to see this in a, with a modern take, having a couple who's been separated and are, are fighting over their children, and she wants to take them away from the planet and take them away from their father, I think is a really fascinating starting point because there's this whole other level of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Of uh, conflict within the plot line that's yeah. there right from the get-go that's different from the rest of the conflict of the show but is going to play in tandem with the rest of the conflict in the show. Well, and and what made it fascinating was watching you know, uh, Tony Stevens is John Robinson, who, you know, we obviously realized that is Judy's adoptive father. And then, you know, he's the biological father of Penny and Will. And so there's this whole other layer to their family as well, because, you know, Judy is is not his biological daughter. And mm-hmm. it, you know, we don't have any idea what happened to her father. It's never mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, 
but they have a different relationship and a much more strained relationship when he, you know, they they first all try to start working together after they get lost in space. And I also loved that. And I felt like watching this man come to this place and try to undo the mistakes that he's made with his family and 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 to rededicate himself to his family um because he realized he was wrong beforehand I thought was really nice and it, and and what it was great of and I thought was really nice in the show is especially between Marine and John you have two people who they're not in the right on everything mm-hmm. and they admit that to each other and i think that's a really important thing in our world to have two adults say i wasn't right i wasn't right you know and to be able to admit when you're wrong is huge uh mm-hmm. and to say it out loud to somebody um is fantastic and so like you were saying that the high level adult conflict that's happening between them and what that creates for the family dynamic is really interesting. And I think these two actors do such a great job of kind of drawing you in to who each of them is. And you, I never felt like, this is the best part of it, I never felt like I was on his side or her side. I was on the family side. Right. You know, and that's, that's a, a really to good it, yeah. thing too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's also neat to see you know, this this storyline of this father who regrets the choices that he's made for his career because, you, you know, it is a common thing where, you know, married couples, one of them might have to sacrifice something in order for one of them to pursue their career. You know, like we see this on D Space Nine with Miles and Keiko, you know, and it causes issues, it causes tr- strain in the relationship. And so, you know, his choices to go off and, you know, I, 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 the, the understanding that I got from it is he's doing something to save the planet because of this so-called meteor crash that happened. He's doing something. I didn't quite understand what it was that he was doing, but he made the choice to go back to work and to leave the family behind. And this caused strain on their relationship because he wasn't called into active service. And so now he's dealing with those ramifications after the fact and trying to repair the situation because he, he sees the strain that it's put on the family, not just his wife, but the kids as well. Yeah. And what I, I love too is is that, you know, the the reality of the show is is really nice in that you know, there there's moments in our lives that kind of kick us in the butt, you know, and make us realize something's missing or something's wrong. And that happens to many of the characters in the show, specifically John and Maureen, as they're dealing with these different things. And I thought that was really fascinating. And and the way they deal with their guilt, because, you know, John feels guilty for not being there for his family earlier, but then Maureen feels guilty the fact that they're here at all because, you know, she covered up for the fact that Will didn't pass the tests. Yeah. And so they both have this guilt that they have to work through. And in the end, what's kind of beautiful is they, they help each other work through it. They find a way to be there for each other. And they also find forgiveness of each other, which I think is another really important you know, message today is that people can be different. People can change. Mm-hmm. And, and we see that in actually both of them make changes and both of them come to a forgiving place for each other and find a way to move forward. And, and you know, 
It's it's definitely <laughs> when I think about it, it's it's something that we just don't see enough in our yeah. shows and in our media of people uh, admitting where they're wrong, but also being given forgiveness and the opportunity then to make things right. Yeah, there's so many positive things in this show. You know, like yes, there's adversary. Yes, there's there's conflict. Yes, but but they're overcoming it and they're working together. They struggle. Right. But they overcome it and they work it out and they talk it out. Right. There's times when they're fighting. But at the end of the day, at the end of the season, you know, they've worked out a lot of their conflict and they've put it behind them because they've 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 dealt with it together and they've dealt with it as a family. And that is such a positive thing to see on TV. You know, and and that's one of the reasons why I loved showing this show to my daughter. No, I agree. Um you know, if I had kids, this would be a show that I feel like would be one to watch with them, and you could get to talk about that stuff, right? You know, and and what's nice is that you don't just have to talk about what's wrong in it; you get to talk about what's done right in it, and that seems like a a more and more rare thing these days. And so, and and I like, you know, it's great uh, talking to Aubrey because you know you have the three different kids here that can help her plug into the show with Will and Judy and Penny. And I I really liked the way that they handled each of the kids, making them different and having their own personalities. Uh, and, you know, you have that great family dynamic. But I'll be honest, Penny was my favorite because I just liked her, mm-hmm. her sarcastic attitude. She's really funny. That actress was hysterical. Yeah, Penny and Judy both, though, had a sarcastic streak in them, which is, you know, kind of mm-hmm. neat. So now, okay, so I'm I'm bad with character names, okay? So the so Judy is the doctor? Yeah, Judy is the Judy's the older uh one, and then Penny's okay. the middle daughter, and then Will obviously is yeah, the youngest. I'm yeah, I'm bad with character names because you know, Star Trek I've seen like fifty thousand times, so I know the characters, but most other shows I have a really tough time with names. So but I had a question on an interpretation of a line in in the script and Judy. So Judy says at one point, she goes off and they're like, Your mom your mother wouldn't want you to leave. And she says, It's a good thing I take after my father. And watching it a second time, I was wondering what your interpretation of that line would be, because we know that John Robinson isn't her biological father. So I'm wondering if, I don't know, like this is, if there isn't a lot to this, but I mean, it's a line that kind of sticks out. We know that he's not her biological father. Is she saying that because she's taking after him in the way that he's raised her? Or is that like a line that she's saying back to her biological father? I'm just curious about that. I, I caught it the second time. Yeah, I I remember thinking about that line too, and I got the feeling like she was she was saying that she because it seemed like a dig at possibly at John, you know, mm-hmm. that I take after my dad, you know, who doesn't really obey and doesn't follow the rules all the time and um leaves. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I felt like that that might be where that line was coming from at that moment. So, but mm-hmm. it is a good question. Nothing major. I was just curious yeah. what your interpretation of the line was. That's all. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I thought both of them, uh, you know, I think Penny and Judy were really great. Um, I also liked that they both kind of had different arcs, you know, as Judy with her, the PTSD that she has early on. And also oh, trying yeah, to live so up awesome. to the, you know, the 
the stress of being the doctor, <laughs> even though she's right. only 18, um, was great. Um, and then, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, too, because, you know, on the other side, you have Penny, who is trying to kind of find her own place. And it's difficult when your sister seems to be, like, perfect sister. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it should, that was definitely something that irked her her quite a bit. So, And I think that's where she gets a lot of her personality from, right, is because... You know, she's got to be so snide to her sister to try and, like, tease her and bug her, right? That's that's my take on it, and that's my take on her personality. The one character that was sometimes, I, it wasn't as perfectly done for me, was Will. Because sometimes okay. he, sometimes he just a, was a little too much of the I can't you know, I'm not really supposed to be here kind of attitude. It, it sometimes felt a little overplayed, maybe. But okay. on a whole, I think he does a pretty good job, especially since they are giving this kid a lot to do. Right. Um, like, he has to carry a lot of the major emotional scenes. And I think the best one uh, for him is when he's building the memorial with his dad. Mm -hmm. uh, I really thought that that was a a standout scene and a really strong scene. And it was just a great scene of a father in a show, lovingly teaching their child a very tough lesson in a way mm -hmm. that um, was respectful and honoring of the child, but also not taking away anything from the importance of the lesson he's trying to teach. And I just, it was one of those things where I thought, wow, this, they really did something special here. I think yeah, they did. And the the actor that played Will did a really good job. Another scene that really stood out for me on top of that one was, it, it, a lot of it may have had to do with the editing, but it was after he wasn't feeling very good and Penny put him on that that rotating thing in the cargo bay. Mm -hmm. And he, he came off and he was dizzy and whatnot. And when he stood up, he did the arm thing and Penny did the arm thing. And they had that flash to the robot doing the arm thing. And his attitude just changed. You know, because he missed his friend, he missed the robot, you know, and I think he did a really good job of that scene. It was he conveyed a lot of emotion and I'm sure that the editing had something to do with it. But I don't no, know. I really I appreciate right. that as well. Yeah, no, that was a really great scene. Um, and I also just liked uh, that whole story plot line with him and Penny and, you know, her trying to make him feel better, you know, and just mm -hmm. again, it was a it was a, a great moment of you know, what family does for each other. You know, I'm sure this isn't exactly what Penny wants to be doing at this moment, but, you know, she finds a way in to help her brother, and it's because she really cares. And, and you know, so much of the time I feel like media portrays, you know, kids and families as, as being at each other's throats all the time. And these kids can have that, but at the same time, these kids are also on each other's side. And I thought that was mm -hmm. a really nice thing to see. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, it wouldn't, I also think it, it, maybe it has something to do with the fact that, you know, all they have is each other, you know, there aren't a lot of other people around, so they really take that to heart, it seems like, and that was a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Right. And they have that theme that goes throughout where, you know, Robinson stick together. Like they said that yes, multiple yes. times throughout the series as well. Well, and, and what I love is that that theme becomes the thing that brings this family together in the very, very end, you know, like Robinson stick together. Um, 
and this family is fractured at the beginning, and so them sticking together, um, it takes a lot of work for that to happen again, you know, for them to fully come back together. And so it's it's nice that they actually make good on that uh, motto for their family. So, which, you know, I <laughs> I have to say, one of the characters I enjoyed most on screen was Don West. Uh he is just hysterical. <laughs> he was a great character. You know, like, he's very different from the Don West in the original show, but it, it works so well, and I like his character, you know, that he's this, you know, this hardworking guy. He's like a, a mechanic for the fleet. You know, he's going to be going back to Earth at some point. That's the impression that I got is he was supposed to go back. I know they said it was a one-way trip, but, you know, he's. I got the impression that he was going to be going back to Earth after they were done setting up yeah, yeah. The, the colony, right? And, you know, he's looking out for himself. He's smuggling this liquor and, you know, he, he's got a very interesting sense of humor. And the comic timing that this character has is really, really good. You know, like some of the scenes that where he's like in, in, I think it's the second last episode, it might be the, the last episode where, where John is talking to him and, and like trying to insult him and whatnot. And he's like, oh man, what are you, what you, oh, I get it. Yeah. You're trying to make me cry. You know, like yes. just some of the timing yes. of the way that he says yes. things is like really, that really well That was great. Done. I loved that scene. I thought that was really <laughs> funny. Um, and then John makes him cry on accident by... <laughs> like, right. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, he was just a... You know, he he feels like an amalgamation of a lot of um, uh, smuggler types that you get in like a, you know, Han Solo type of character. That's kind of where he's coming from. Um, he, he feels like a cross between Han Solo and Star-Lord. Um, you know, that that uh, Chris Pratt's character from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's just kind of the, the goofy smartass, but he happens to be really smart as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I liked that there was a different side of him, and, and there's this really interesting kind of like budding relationship between him and Judy. Um which I'll be interested to see where that goes because it felt like they were kind of bringing that to a place. It, it, it basically felt like Han Solo and Princess Leia. Like, Yeah, I got that impression too. And I get the impression that he's a kind of an older guy. So knowing that that she's 18 is like kind of interesting that they decided to go that way. But yeah, the chemistry of the too, actors, yeah. yeah, but their chemistry is really good together. You know, so she's she likes the guy, but she's upset with him for his choices. But she's never encountered a type of person like this mm-hmm. before because of the way that she's been brought up. Right. Well, and it and it does it does create, um, you know, and if they never bring it to anything romantic, it also just creates that nice uh, learning moment of, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, you know, and I mm-hmm. think definitely Judy is somebody who's been surrounded by the top of the top type of people. Um, because of the fact that, I mean, she's 18, she's already a doctor. Right. And so Don West type of character is not somebody she's going to run into very much. And so it, it's I think it's helped open up her sp- perspective. And more than anything, I think if that's the only thing that ever kind of really comes from the relationship is that aspect, I think it's really, it's it's a really uh, worthwhile trip to take with them. Um, but yeah, he's mm-hmm. just, he's really funny. And again, he's kind of, I mean, you look back at Solo, the the movie that just came out this summer, he's very similar to that. He's the guy who wants to be, uh, you know, seen as kind of the outlaw, 
but he's he's got a heart of gold that he can't cover up, you know? <laughs> yes. He he can't keep it covered up. So that's it makes him I think a really fun character. Um and mm-hmm. the actor like you said, he has some great comedic timing, so he just mm-hmm. he pulls off some lines and he definitely had me chuckling many times that he was on screen. Yeah, and l- lest we forget Debbie, you know, the most important character in the show. I mean, yeah, the luckiest chicken because, you know, that chicken's never getting eaten now. So Parker Posey was interesting to me because uh, as uh, June Harris or Dr. Smith, one of the things I think she does so well is I absolutely hate her character. Yeah, Like I hate that character um, in the the way you're supposed to. Um, And... She makes you try to feel sorry for her in places, but she is just so good with the manipulation. I just hate her, and mm-hmm. it's it's really well done. Like it, I really do. I hate her as a character. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because she does such a well job, but she's basically just Parker Posey. You know, like I, I know her best from Dazed and Confused and, you, you know, like she's she's just Parker Posey. Like Parker Posey is one of those actors that they're just them on screen a lot. And, you know, she does take it to a little bit of an evil level with Dr. Smith. But one of the things that Aubrey noticed, an interesting acting choice that she made, is that she kept touching her eye to wipe away like a tear, like an artificial tear or whatever. And Aubrey, the second time we watched it, started to point it out every time she did it. She's like, she's doing it again. She's doing it again. And it's like she's wiping away a fake tear because she's sad or moved or whatever. But it it was a really interesting choice for her to make. So I don't know if you noticed that at all when you were watching it. I didn't, but I mean, when I rewatch the show, I will definitely take a look at that. But it does seem to make sense for a character who... Is having trouble. She's lied so much. She's lied herself into oblivion almost. She doesn't. Yeah. She's having trouble sometimes remembering what's real and what's not in that sense. And yeah. she even has that moment where she's talking to, you know, the robot she's trying to fix after Will's knocked him off the, the ledge. Well, not knocked him off the ledge, but have him walked off the ledge. And, it, you know, she's trying to tell him the things that are true that she remembers because it's mm-hmm. been so long since she's told the truth. And right. I think that that's really interesting because it, it it creates this whole kind of like theme of you, know, you can't live in a lie forever. Um, you know, it especially when you know it is because it it slowly eats you apart and it, it just did uh and I think that was something really interesting to watch her never fully able to pull herself out of that, um, you know, sick cycle of lying. Like, she just can't get out of it. Right. And, you know, I don't know if the intention of the writers was to go into this and make Dr. Smith a woman, or if they just wrote the show and decided to cast her instead, and they kind of wrote the story around it, or if they went from the beginning and said, we want Parker Posey on this. But, you know, I didn't have a problem with them changing Dr. Smith's gender for the show. And I thought it was a really fascinating take of it. it. Like like Battlestar Galactica, when they made Starbuck a woman, it works for the show on a whole new level. 
And it, it makes it really, it makes it really fascinating because, you know, you're able to have this person who can impersonate her sister and go onto the ship. And I, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the real Dr. Smith that she met in the hallway was Bill Moomy, who played Will in the original show. I did not notice that, but that is pretty stinking awesome. Yeah, and Bill Moomy was also in the Siege of AR-558 on D-Space-9. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, so Bill, yeah, Bill Moomy was the, was the Dr. Smith. So if you look at the photos and stuff, that's him, which is kind of cool. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. No, she, again, she just does such a great job of making you absolutely hate her. Um, and that's what the show is absolutely going for. And so I mm -hmm. think they do a really good job of that. Amazing job. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, like you said earlier, I, I love the way that they've just reimagined the show completely and just done their own thing. They've taken some of the um, trappings of the old show, but then they've really done their own thing in the sense of like, especially like with the robot. Yeah. Which I loved, you know, I love that yeah. this is an alien robot and it, you know, that, uh, and of course, again, what we learn about, um, this robot and where it's from and all of that I think is is great and so I just really appreciate um you know the ways in which they made this show their own and I thought I mm -hmm. thought they did a really a good job with that so yeah I think they did a really good job too and you know when it came out I was a little frustrated because you know you know it, it I compared it immediately to start to discovery and a lot of people did. And there was blowback from people saying, you know, well, why does everybody go to pair everything? Why do you got to compare all these shows and whatnot? And it's like, this is such an obvious comparison to compare this show to star Trek discovery. They're both modern tellings of a new, uh, of an, of an old show from the sixties. They're both on streaming service. They're both on uh, uh, season long arc shows. You know, like everything about them is the perfect comparison mm -hmm. of the shows, you know, and it makes sense to compare them. And they they did such a great job with this show. This show is everything I wanted Discovery to be. You know, I and I don't hate Discovery. It's just it fell so short of where it could be. And and I'm I'm going on a little a bit of a rant with Discovery, but so many people are like, well, Star Trek is never good in its first season. None of the Star Trek series had a good first season except for the original and whatnot. But that's not how television is. Every single show I watch has a great first season nowadays. You have to, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I and I know. you know, I will say too, just uh going on that. That's not true. You know, I think Deep Space Nine, if you rewatch, I... I, I think DC Season 1 DS9 is great. There's yeah, great there's stuff. Yeah, there's some great season. stuff, uh, especially when you rewatch it. There's some, not some great stuff, but that happens in shows. Um, I think Star Trek Enterprise has a great first season, personally. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think that first seasons should be, you know, really given a, a pass... So, especially when the whole goal of a show, especially these days, is to write to a place to where they want you to watch it. You know, they're like trying yeah. to make you watch. And so, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think it's it's a. I really think that that's a bad thing to say these days. You know, I I just um, you know, you, you your goal should be able to give people the best 
product possible on the first season. And, uh, you know, I think they do that. And one of the things that really stuck out to me in this show was this theme of, like, wherever you go, there you are. Because everybody is trying to get to Alpha Centauri to start over. doesn't matter which character it is. They're trying to find a new life. And what they keep talking about just on a, on a, a high level um, is, oh, we're going to go to this place. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be no war. There's no strife, you know. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, you're bringing humanity with you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so just because this is a new place doesn't mean those things won't exist. And so there's this false idea that we can just leave problems, you know, and and go find a better future, you know, somewhere else. But it's like, but you just bring all of that stuff with you. Right. So. Well, and you've got these characters who've done it. Like, yeah, Dr. Smith was an accident, right? June Harrison was an accident. She shouldn't have been there. But, you know, you've got Don West, who's a guy who is looking out for himself and he wants to get paid and he wants to get the money. Well, that's part of humanity that mm-hmm. you're bringing with you. That's something they wanted to leave behind. This guy that's running the colony, right? Where, you know, Maureen's like, I didn't vote for the guy, you know, this guy here, he's not the best person to be leading this group of people. I don't think. And, you know, he's bringing that stuff with him and it's, you're exactly right. You're bringing people with you and people will never always agree 100% on things, which is going to cause conflict you know, and can lead to creating another earth. The other thing was, is is that too, it also shows that just as individuals, you can't run away from your problems. Uh, you, 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 you have to face them because otherwise you are still going to be the same person that you were, unless you do the hard work to change. And there's, a clear dichotomy in the show between, you know, like John and Marine and these characters, even Don West, and those characters who are, they have proclivities for certain air, uh, things, you know, which we wouldn't consider good. Um, then you have your, you know, June Harris, and you have these two different sections of people one who's willing to take responsibility for their actions and do the hard work to change, and the other who is not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dr. Smith is just not willing to make that change, you know. Um, she's not willing to look at herself, you know, in the mirror like Michael Jackson and make that change. So mm-hmm. it's it's... I, I thought that that was just a really fascinating theme and a really good one to say you can't you can't you know just get lost in space and expect to lose your problems too to actually make yourself a better person takes work yeah you got it yeah it's a really interesting thing to go throughout and i'm going to it's going to be interesting to see how like take it into the next season are we just going to focus on the robinsons next season because the original lost in space you know at least as far as i went is just the robinsons or are they going to be doing two stories where we've got the Robinsons and then we've got the Resolute as well. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see where they're going to take this and if they're going to develop the Resolute plot line. Because if they don't, like they don't have to because the original Lost in Space is just the Robinsons. This whole season could just be a prologue and now they're lost in space. Yeah. Right? Because they're alone now. So they, they could take that route. 
But if they do continue, it'll be interesting to see how the colony develops and the colony builds. And that's something that I really do hope that we see and to see how those problems mm-hmm. will be dealt with. What did you think of the production of the show? Because, you know, anytime you're watching a show like this, it's, you know, it could be hit or miss. And so, you know, we've got, they're trying to do, you know, alien planetscapes. They're doing, you know, starships uh, and robots and those kind of things. So did they, you know, did they do a good, pretty good job? What do you think? I think it's amazing, you know, and again, comparing it to start to discovery, they don't have any weird Dutch angles going on all the time. They don't have crazy lens flare going on all the time, you know, like the, the exterior shots of the ships and stuff like they're, they're natural looking science fiction shots. You know, there's not these weird color filters that are going on. Like they've, like they've got in discovery. It's, it's a beautiful show. You know, I love the shots that are in space. I love the shots of the planet. You know, they're filming it on location. They didn't change too much the way that it looked. You know, they had that one scene when Maureen was trying to put that balloon up and they had the purple grass. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the most part, everything looked natural and looked beautiful. Like, I want to know where they filmed this. You know, like the mountains are the mountainous terrain that they were in is really, really beautiful. And so I thought the production of the show was... 10 out of 10, beautiful, special effects were great. I mean, I agree with you that I was really surprised how well production value holds up. I was just, I, I was I was shocked, honestly, about how good most of the CGI work here is, especially for a Netflix show, you know. Um, it's not perfect, but it's much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, the ships look great. The interior of the ships is fantastic. It feels like a wonderful conglomeration of Star Wars, Star Trek, and uh, Interstellar. Like it's like you had those three had a baby, and you you get what these ships look like. It's it's awesome, um, uh, especially like the Star Trek Enterprise look. You know, so if all three of those together, uh, I love that. Um. And then, you know, just I thought they did great with trying to make, you know, Canada look like a (laughs) you're trying to make it look like an alien planet. And they do a pretty good job of that. Um, And I I absolutely love the Resolute. It was such a cool ship. I mean, it it feels, again, like something out of Interstellar, but a little bit more um, science fictiony. And I love the fact that it's named the Resolute because... There's some great history behind that with, um, you know, that's a ship that was lost on an Arctic mission. The British found it. They took that wood and they turned it into a desk that now many presidents have used as their Oval Office desk. So I thought that was kind of a fun name um, for a ship that got lost. I didn't know that history. Yeah. I didn't um, know that history. So, uh, you know, just I just I I was honestly shocked by the production value. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's really good. One thing I wanted to ask you about that was really interesting that I haven't seen on a streaming show before is, is the format of the episodes, each individual episode. Most of them, like like the first episode, did not have a main title sequence or did not say the name of the show or anything until the very end. So in all honesty, like the way that they filmed it is basically the first episode is the teaser for the season. 
you know, and only about four episodes actually utilized the full main title sequence with the theme song and everything. And a couple had this really short one where it just said lost in space. And it was kind of scattered out throughout the season as to which was, which episode was going to have which one, you know, and there was an episode where they had a seven minute teaser and then they did the main title sequence and stuff. And it was really interesting. And I don't know. I just was wondering what you thought about that. Cause I thought that was really interesting, especially with the first episode. I, I kind of actually liked the fact that unlike a lot of the Netflix shows, they didn't put the, you know, the, the theme song or anything in there. And they, it just, they kind of did it when it felt more appropriate for that specific episode, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I liked that they just did their own thing. Um, I did like the theme song. It was fun. Yeah. And I loved it. Well, and it brought back William's original theme. You know, they had that in there as well, like as the Robinsons theme. So, you know, it's great that they paid homage to that. Well, and the what was kind of neat was the fact that it felt like the 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 theme and then the actual credit sequence, it was just like Enterprise. (laughs) It was totally. They even had the shot of the ship that said Enterprise, right? So So. uh, I loved that. What do you what do you think? What do you what do you rate Lost in Space? On my first watch, I would have given this five out of five, hands down. Like I was blown away. There's so many great, you know, suspenseful moments. You know, they had me when when John Robinson's ship blew up in episode eight. They had me. I thought he was dead. Oh wow! You know, really? Like I totally I totally believed it. I'm like I cannot believe they went there. You know, but that's kind of how TV shows are nowadays, where main characters die. You know, with Judy in the first episode being trapped in the ice, that was such a tense episode. You know, like the character development and the plots that they they had and the obstacles they had to overcome were just absolutely outstanding. My favorite one that I wanted to talk about is when the they were going through that that gas field. Like, what an amazing yes, action yes. sequence! And then when it flips over at the end and that gas is on there, like that sequence about sacrificing the one for the many was an amazing learning opportunity for my daughter. And it has an amazing conversation to have with her and to try and talk to her and say they made the wrong decision when they saved this guy's life and trying to tell that to an eight-year-old girl. It's it's very interesting, you know, like it took her a while to understand that. And then when the cut, when he dies later on in the episode, then we paused it again and talked about him. It's like, yes, they could have easily just written that he survived, but I would have given it a five out of five on the rewatch. Maybe it's because I knew what things were coming and whatnot. I'd probably drop my rating down to a, you know, a four out of five, four and a half out of five, somewhere in there. But I mean, it's still a great show. You know, and like I called out a couple of things where I wish they would have dropped some more hints for some of the reveals throughout the season earlier, I think would have played better upon a rewatch and watching for those things because I was watching for them and to not see them until the episode where they were needed was kind of a little bit frustrating on a rewatch, in my opinion. But I recommend this for anybody to watch it. It's a great show and it's a great show to watch with kids. Yeah, I mean, I... I really enjoyed this show, and I can't wait for uh, season two. You know, that cliffhanger of, oh, my gosh, where are we, was fantastic. Yeah. Um, they truly are lost in space now. And I thought you, you know, said it really well. You know, this is almost the prologue to Lost in Space, and now we are truly charting the uncharted territory, uh, just like the original show, where they, they don't have backup, you know. And so... Mm-hmm. 
And there really is no hope of rescue at this moment because they have no idea what's going on. So I think, um, yeah, I think I would probably rate this a good solid four out of five. You know, I think that um, it is a really well done show. Um, if I rewatched it, you know, I might, I don't know, it could bump it up, a, you know, to like 4.5. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. This is, as science fiction shows go and finding a way to reboot, you know, I think that this is in the camp of Battlestar Galactica reboot on the, that scale. You know, like this is much more uh, like that. They've done their own thing. They've created their own mythology now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, um, they paid homage to the original where they could, as you mm -hmm. pointed out some of those things, but otherwise they really are trying to make their own show. And I think that's really smart. So, And I will stress, this is not as good as Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> No, this is this is I, let me let me put it this way. My point is to say it's on that side of the scale. Yes. It's not I and I I love Battlestar Galactica the first two seasons, the next two seasons that's a different story. Um oh, but that dear, first we got to do a podcast on that. That first season of Battlestar Galactica maybe one of the best seasons of television ever created. Um, yeah, it's just because so it keeps, I mean, you just have to watch. <laughs> so, um, yes, but so thankful to, um, our social producers here through, uh, Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, and Daniel Noah for supporting the 602 club. And of course the track FM network, uh, it's a massive network guys. Um, we really can't do this without your support. Um, and, and, and honestly, just kind of been making it recently. Uh, so go over to patreon.com slash trekfm. See how every little bit can help us bring all of this quality content to you each and every week. Uh, we've got some great uh, levels uh, that you can give at where we give you extra back. Um, and uh, Brandon actually runs our patrons group and so uh, making sure that all of you guys get um, more for your money but in the end again every little bit does help so go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be a part of our team uh, and making sure that uh, all of these great podcasts keep coming to you free of ads and free of charge every week <laughs> so <laughs> uh, but Brandon um, it's been great having you back here in the 602 club so uh, let everybody know what else you've got going on and where they can find you online. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be back. It's happy to I'm happy to be able to talk about this. I'm glad I got to do a rewatch again with Aubrey. Um, so thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a busy summer for me, but I'm back. I'm done all my holidays, so I've got a lot of podcasts going on right now. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. You can find me here on the network with Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. I've had some great interviews recently with Jeff Russo, who composed for Discovery, and Dennis McCarthy, who composed the most amount of music for Star Trek out of anybody. Uh, I'm also on Warp 5, which is our Star Trek Enterprise podcast with my friends Patrick and Brandy. And I've got a couple other little things that are going on right now. So my other main podcast is over on the Fandom Podcast Network. It's called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. And I do that with my friends Chris and Tom. We're talking about all the Hitchcock movies. And just yesterday, as of the dropping of this episode, 
Uh, I actually have two little podcasts going as well over on the Talk Film Society. Uh, Zach Moore from Standard Orbit and I are doing an 11 episode retrospective on the Halloween films called Halloween H4O. And on Cinematic Sound Radio, um, I just released, it's going to be an intermittent podcast, but it's called Breaking the Waves, and it's all about electronic film scores. And my first episode focuses on Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and their music uh, for films that they've done. So I'm very busy right now. I've got a lot of stuff going on, uh, but uh, it's it's fun. It's keeping me busy. Awesome, man. Um, I'm, I'm sure that you'll be talking about Tron Legacy very soon then. I will. So uh, I will be. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's that's great, man. Make sure you're checking everything uh, that Brandon is doing. Uh, you can also find me over on Twitter, MattRushing02. I'm on Instagram under the same name. Um, you can also find me here on the network doing the orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We are trying to get more regular, but thank you for sticking with us and Continuing to listen, uh, you can find me over on the Nerd Party Network. I do a couple of shows there. I've got Owl Post with Drea Kaufman talking about the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. We're in the middle of the Goblet of Fire, so make sure you check that out. Aggressive negotiations I do with John Mills as each week we dive into the world of Star Wars. In fact, this week we were celebrating 10 years of the Clone Wars with our Clone Wars movie uh, commentary, so I hope you'll check that out. And then last but not least, I do a show with my good friend Courtney as we talk about films through the lens of faith on cinema stories. And uh, I'll mention this here, it won't matter in the future, but I'm uh, going to be at DragonCon uh, this year again um, in just a couple weeks at the end of August. So, if you're a listener to the 602 Club uh, and you happen to be around the Star Wars track, you will probably see me. Please introduce yourself. I would love to meet you. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear?